Aging is not lost youth. Youth can never imagine living all these years into old age, the rising, twisting, falling road ahead, and that old end of the road. Difficult to imagine life's tensions and paradoxes lying ahead without passing through them these rites of passage, busyness and idleness, joy and suffering, relationship and loneliness, creativity and apathy. Hard to imagine living in a time of pandemics through a fascist president and a lover's Alzheimer's. With gratitude and grace, one learns imperfections bring us closer to the divine. Darkness and light are off the soul. Wounds are healing and homemaking. Change and growth are key. Letting go of worshipping ego and privilege before the truth sets us free, it tends to make us miserable. Let us all pray, God of the universe, give me sufficient life, experiences, relationships and visions, that I may know inner truth as a solitary, compassionate being, belonging in authentic community, together walking each other home. Herb Stone. Well, I, I was just lost in that one there. So I was I was in the prayer. I was there. <laughs> and that prayer, that beautiful voice was given us in the prayer. Prayerful voice is? Jim McNeish. Um, and I am Kirsty Mack. And we are together in our roller coaster of emotions. Um, yes. And we've been speaking. You may have listened already. It depends um, about the apocalypse. And we now speak of? Liminal. The liminal space. Oh, I love even how you say it. I liminal like it. space. Yeah, oh. liminality. Yes, this whole idea of, of, of liminal. So it comes, limins, uh, it means threshold. That's kind of its original Latin um, uh, meaning. Um, it means threshold. And so when we're talking about liminality, we're talking about uh, leaving one place, leaving one threshold, but not quite at another. And so that space between the, the now and the not yet, the neither here nor there, um, you know, just there's, a, there's just a, um, a freedom happens inside of you when you think about you're not in one or the other, you're in a liminal space. And it's particularly important. And um, so anthropologically, really important with traditional rites of passage. Um, indigenous folks, uh, who still kind of rely on ancient wisdom, still do this much better than we do. Um, they do these rites of passage that convey children into adulthood, that convey single people into marriage, that convey people into leadership, that convey people into losing someone. They have these rites of passage that work deeply with the soul, and it always has a liminal space in it. There's always a time of confusion, a time of process, the shaman, the shapeshifter, the trickster, whoever it is that's conveying or, or emceeing the process um, always brings this kind of unknowable, uh, this disruption into the process. That's this liminality. I love even just watching. I wish everyone could watch you because um, there's just like this gracefulness about how you're moving your hands and, and it feels like there's this sort of magical around because there's no, it feels, when I think of this, there's no container, is there? You've moved, you're, you're kind of moving from one container into another container. You don't know what the other container is yet. And so you're in this 
space and and it's you know that you don't know the boundaries you don't know the rules probably you know there's no reference points is there there's it's not peaceful oh no you know it's not necessarily comfortable um but it's yeah you know we may have felt some of it this year it's it's usually one of unrest yeah. And essential. I wonder if so. Um, Dr. Carol Kershaw, she's from the Milton Eric Institute, so she knows she's interesting. Uh, there's going to be a lot of trans activity with that woman. Um, but she says it puts your brain in the space for change. And I wonder if we were living in a world with an absence of liminality, an absence of the liminal in our lives there wasn't that in between space we were snatching at the next thing we were packing our diaries full of meetings um we were how do we fill up the day with distractions and our holidays were crammed in and then when we did go we were running around wanting to do stuff or just completely dissociating on a beach and and i wonder if i love her idea of can you be in that liminal space and be awake and be poised and be aware of what's coming up for you because her assertion is that's how transition occurs. We don't transition without liminal space. Okay, there we go, end of podcast, that's me. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> that, you know, I just had this whole image of our brains being opened and, and, and change, you know, we're here, we're, we're aware of it, we're finding it. And ultimately, we are no longer sleepwalking. We're awake. Uh-huh. We're awake, and we, you know, yeah. There, it, it is amazing how many distractions we have in our world, or had. And we need it. We need those. We need that space for creativity. We need it where there's no context impinging. So Arnold Van Gennep uh, was an ethnographer and a folklorist and a studier of liminal space. So he looked at this liminal space that occurs and he said there are three three areas that in any sort of rite of passage, in any kind of uh, movement or transition, there's the, there's the preliminal space, which is about the leaving the old behind. Okay. So it's like there is a destruction there. There is a, a we're letting that go, we're burning the boats, you know, whatever it is, there's that bit. Then there's the liminal space, which is usually structured, um, uh, a governed process, a bar mitzvah, a wedding, um, a baptism. Um, there is a structure. And of course, there's a priest. There is a master of ceremonies, somebody who will make sure that the group are conveyed through the process. And she is in charge, like the boss, and, and absolutely governs the process and makes sure the people are brought in. That's a facilitator, a coach, a therapist, a leader, somebody who creates that that liminal space and holds people there. And, you know, you know the, the idea of having an experience for the first time or a new experience, we don't have it all worked out. You're in the experience and you take what you get. And, and so different emotions will rise in you and, and resistances to it. And so you need an authority person that you respect to be representing something higher, whether it's the law or whether it's God or whatever it is, but they're a container creator. That means that you can writhe and, and struggle and do all the things, but they'll keep you in the space. And then post-liminal, 
is where you take that and you go back into your community changed and an aspect of the community is ready to receive you now maybe it's the adulthood or maybe it's the married people or maybe it's the newly single people or whatever it is but there's a, a group who are now ready to bring you back in in your new transition form I, I love what he brings there I love it I'm thinking about oh I'm uh, so many things I'm thinking about courses and transformation programs and you know coming back in oh you've been on a, on a course or being welcomed back in I think about myself and my divorce that actually there was there wasn't a ritual you know you get a piece of paper I remember I was in Bali and my mum phoned and says your divorce papers are through and I was like mm. okay yeah that's definitely the end but there was yeah. no yeah that whole sort of procedure there's there's no MC there as you say that's and there that you know that must be one of the yeah is it there's sort of four social liminal spaces you know status yeah marriage you know absolutely divorce now <laughs> um <laughs> authority funerals yeah. you know might have um it's sort of maybe baptism uh, anything like that sort of any sort of religious adherence there from a status perspective um i'm about to maybe depending on lockdown don't know what the rules are you know i i sort of move into a liminal space of place you know yeah, we're moving that's, that's another one we're moving house and um it's weird because i do it feels a little bit like i mean there's lots going on for both of us just now but it still feels like we're waiting to press play on something else when we move on on Monday. Yeah. You know, a little yeah. bit in limbo, albeit we're both super, super busy, both doing lots of different things, but there's a feeling, I can feel it actually just in my back there, there's a feeling of uncertainty, unknowing, and I wonder what that next chapter is. See, listening to you, I am so envious because that is one of the rights I love the most is to move house. I realized that when I was like reflecting on what we were going to talk about and I realized that I am yearning to move house. I love the leaving behind of the old. I don't leave all my friends behind. Some of them come with me, but there is something about, oh, you burn the boats and then you go into a new thing and you get to reinvent and do whatever you want. And I like a move every three or four years. I really, really do. And I'm now just coming to the point where I'm accepting that. And it doesn't mean I'm a flipper-de-jibber. It doesn't mean that I'm uncommitted to people. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It's like I have a nomadic thing in me that loves that liminal space of knowing that I'm leaving somewhere and knowing that someone else is coming up and there's bits of interference from both, but I stand again in a, a liminal space ready for what's changing in me. Yeah. I, I hadn't even thought about it. I hadn't even thought about it at all, but yeah, just thinking about moving and, you know, we're just, you know, we're just going to pack a bag. <laughs> just, you know, I'm just not, I just, it'll be like the Marie Celeste here. Um, <laughs> but I, I suppose another one is, is, you know, situation. So like your life situation. Yeah. You know, and, and even, you know, jobs, changing jobs, yeah. university, clubs, all of these sort of things, you know. For me, a new church. It's a new church, you know, yes. it's a new group of people, a new community. That's like it's a new situ life situation you're in. Yeah. Yes. 
you know, even uh, I know someone who is in a big liminal space just now who's, you know, selling their business and there's just like lots of just moving parts and I kind of see them moving along, like really busy and lots happening, but slowly. Yeah. Because they're just like, I don't know what the next bit is. I have no yeah. reference points. I don't, I don't. I don't know. So I signed something. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'm changing. I'm changing. <laughs> and I guess another one, um, another um, kind of social liminal space would be the passage of time. Mm. You know, like a birthday when you when you hit a birthday and it's like you've got a new number. It's undeniable. It's real. It comes with you. But also the one that I guess I'm most intrigued by is Hugmanay in Scotland. So much pressure. And so much um, emotion for people. Like I know people who just positively hate it. It's like, because the minute they enter into that liminal space of a new year, a lot of the old stuff comes rushing up in them. They're no longer caught up in the old stuff of the old year. And there is a new year ahead and there's something there that's saying, you know, remember the dead. Remember those who have gone. Remember the old New Year parties that we used to love and that maybe we've romanticised. And remember all of those things that are no more. And therefore, you know, there's new creations, there's new things to be created, but they don't want to do that either. And I think in that liminal space, they're deeply disturbed at New Year. I know that happens for a lot of people, particularly in Scotland, because it's such a big deal, hug money. It is huge. Um actually now that you talk about terrified of this one because <laughs> there's <laughs> so much more pressure you know so much more pressure to have a big thing but we can't have a big thing but then do we miss something it you know what are we missing out on it's and there's there's places now I remember speaking to you about um when I was in Bulgaria but there's those thin oh, spaces yes nature and yeah. What, what can I, you tell I, me about I, that Bulgaria thing, Kirsty? Because that, like, what, I, how, how, how was that a thin space for you? What was it? Yeah. Uh, the linguistics are hard. Yeah. Um, the feeling was huge. And I was there with my friend Elena, um, who was from there. And we were up in the mountains, and so many different occurrences happened. Nature did certain things, you know, cracked open a stone, um, water came towards us, certain things were set, and we, you know, some might say hallucinations, but had very vivid recall of images. Then afterwards, we did some research and, and found out that those images made sense. Um, yeah. I, and, and I've been in a particular church I love a church I love to go and visit churches yeah. my mum says I'll burn down the world because of lighting a candle anytime go to light a candle <laughs> um we're in a place in, in Bulgaria in this ramshackle church and that was the most monumental experience that I think I've had yeah. just something happened there was no it, it was then there was a connection to something uh-huh. and I yeah I I can't even begin to describe how much I sobbed in that place wow just I guess all context getting taken off you yeah gone 
all context and therefore no need to make meaning, no need to form words, no need to kind of do the patterns, just context gone. I, I, like a, a, in Scotland, Glencoe, Acharn mm. uh, Falls, um, I remember taking some people there and they were just like, whoa, this feels funny. This feels funny. We took them through the Hermit's Cave and and various things They're like, whoa, something's going on here. Or the Lake of Menteith, just locally. See if you go onto the little jetty and you walk out to that um, and you stand there and you look onto the island and and stuff. Um, every time it's a thin place. It's a, a, a thin place where heaven and earth just don't have the same boundary. They don't. Like you can start to taste the threshold of one and you start to leave behind the threshold of another. And it does make you feel unsteady on your legs. Yeah. Yeah. You're unsteady and it's like I'm on shifting ground here and my legs feel weak. And there's a kind of, uh, so something is changing. I'm not standing on anything solid. And, And this might sound super spiritual or whatever it is to folks, but I do think, it could be psychological. It could be that we're bringing a new level of ourselves noticing. Yeah. It yeah. could all be that. Um, it could be those things, but that isn't an or against something special happening or spiritual. That's the and. That's in addition to something else has got on in a thin space, and, and we're not sure what it is. I just, I just want to. I just want to get on a flight and go to Bulgaria now. Just like thinking about. <laughs> In fact, maybe Lake Monteith is closer. That might be easier. I just don't know if I'm allowed to go there either. But yeah, it's huge. Maybe we should do a little bit of a a recording at the Lake Monteith at some point, Kirsty. Oh my goodness, yes. As soon as yes. this lockdown kind of finishes and we get a nice day and we got a bit of yes. space, why don't we get out there and and just record us doing a? a, a... There's no why not. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay, okay then. Okay, we'll do that. Liminal people. That that's another thing you get, and. Liminal people I find really interesting because I'm helping a few people at the moment just by chatting and talking as much as you can do who are going through life-threatening illnesses. And those are like liminal people. People don't know how to talk to them sometimes. Um, And um, did you see that um, Tom Hanks movie? It's something like A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Some, something like that. It's it's basically oh. about uh, the chat show guy who yeah. was Is just... Is dis- Rogers or something like uh, that? Yes, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it, but actually good, yeah. Well, there's a bit where um, the the guy who's doing the reporting on him is quite cynical, going through a tough time. But um, this guy, Fred Rogers, befriends him and he asks to meet his dad. His dad's dying of cancer. And... Uh, his dad just is quite, um, there's an embarrassment relationship between him and his dad and he's not sure he wants his dad in on it and all those things. But anyway, Fred Rogers does end up at the house and meets his dad. His dad is very ill at that point. And then um, Fred Rogers just basically whispers stuff in his ear and he listens and they have a very quiet conversation, him and this dying man. And and when they come out, um, Fred Rogers' kind of rationale for it was, it's so intriguing to talk to people who are close to dying just because they're also really close to God. And you get wisdom, you, you hear things, you, you understand things. 
like somebody who is going through stuff and and these people I'm kind of working with aren't dying they're in fact they're recovering but they still go through these that liminal space or somebody who's had a divorce or a newly married or a new parent quite often they're in leaving one threshold behind and moving into another and there is um a power about them and um they don't fit into our easy societal archetypes anymore they transcend them and they're represented by like the centaur in classic mythology. They're usually something monstrous, you know, like there's they're, they're, yeah. beauty in the beast. It's the beast yeah. who is is in in a, in a, a liminal space. It's um, Nanny McPhee uh, is in a liminal space in that shape. You know, she's kind of, she's moving and changing. And not only are they changing and moving, but they become such potent forces for change in the world. Liminal people um, just really... Astounding. We, we when 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 we were in the 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 body shop and the team, we used to have quite a lot of our, our, our staff come back from maternity leave, and I always found them very powerful. And we used to say it was something about you know they had much more somatic intelligence, having lived in their bodies for the last year. Um, but I think it was more than that. I think they were also in a liminal space, and they were incredibly powerful with team and political issues and and real change agents, liminal people. I love that. It is. I, love it. It's I, so I, I, I um, Do you think Mary Poppins is a liminal person? Yeah. Yeah. Because she was always, there was always a pathos about mm. her. There was mm. a wee sadness about Mary yeah. Poppins. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, yeah, sorry, I'm now... Wanting to watch Mary Poppins, all of the things. Um, I remember one of my friends was pregnant, and you know we always say um, people who are pregnant glow. Yeah. She was open, vulnerable, different levels of conversation. It was just like she'd unzipped. You know, there. So I suppose the ego's got less to say. She was just right from the heart, having the conversations. Our depth of conversations was just wildly different um there's that sort of vulnerability there there's the changing that's coming through and you know there's there's I suppose they're more pliable as well aren't they there there's 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 a rawness and, and actually at that point can be influenced you know we see this in you know we, we see this in, in our transformational program so you know there's even if we think about the the people in our lives you know if you think about how they're their resilience can be quite irritating. <laughs> yeah, know? that's right. <laughs> so you can't get them to change. Yeah, you're just yeah. like, oh, great. But then suddenly they become, you know, pliable and influenceable, you know, that you see them, they're, they're in an unknown, in a vulnerable space, and it's liminal. Vincent Turner is an anthropologist, and, and he notices that um, when people enter into a liminal space, there is a greater sense of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, you notice that when we're on training programs and we're on to the second day and they're leaving behind some of their old positions and they've become aware of themselves mm-hmm. and they're not quite in the new one but they become deeply attached to their small group yeah. you start to see that kind of bonding going on and I remember coaching this woman once it was fascinating and she said I've got this real guilt that hangs on me and I said what is it she said I'm quite a loner 
and I, I feel like I'm quite alone in the world. My nature is one that doesn't lend itself to easily making friends. But she said, um, on September the 11th, I was flying into New York. And uh, because of what happened, we were rerouted to Labrador. And we got out and we um, had, were put up in a hotel for three days. And she said, um, I bonded with everybody on that plane because we were all in the same lounge together. We were all eating at the same meals, the same buffet. Uh, we were talking till late into night. Is the world at war? Where are we now? We've left one way of living and we haven't fully entered into the new one. And she said, for those three days, I've never felt as close to people in my life. And none of us had our old positions and our old beliefs and our old ways of thinking because we'd left something behind. And, and none of us were getting on with our future plans and our next stage. We were in this, this now and not yet. And she said, I feel so guilty that it was in one of the most horrific disasters and terrorist attacks that I bonded with these people so deeply. Wow. Wow. I even, yeah, I, I see that, you know, we see that in our programs, you know, and you see that in, in people's experiences. I saw it in my brother when he was really ill. You see that in people with illness and he was more open. He was more raw. He was more connected. It is the most connected I felt to my brother yeah. when he was ill. You know, and we had wonderful conversation. We still do. It completely, Russell's illness completely changed our relationship for the better. Yeah. Completely changed the dynamic of our family for the better. Mm. Out of something that was heartbreaking to see, horrific for him to experience. He became more of himself. And I think the family unit changed massively. How much have you and I said we feel guilty for how we've come through COVID? With ease, with greater connectivity to people, um, with a, a reinvention of what we do in the world that, that makes more sense. It's like it's it's often in those times, it, you know, we talked to earlier on an earlier podcast about apocalypse. It's those big reveals, those crushing downs, those collapsing of old systems that reveal the essence of ourselves again. And we get back to maybe building something again in the future, which is a little bit more us shaped. Yeah. You know, Kirsty, I can wake up in the morning though sometimes. I don't know if you get it. It doesn't happen often. It maybe happens two or three times a year, but I wake up and the best way I can describe it is that my skin is much, much thinner than it normally is. And I'm, I'm gonna be much more easily upset and it's never angered. Like I have, a, I can have an angry response, which is a strong defensive response, but it isn't that. It's scared or sad or some of the more, the softer emotions. And I know I'm much, much more there for it. And, and when I used to go on holiday, when I first started to go on holiday and, and give myself permission to go by myself, I always used to dread at least one or two days of it because I had one or two days of that. And the other best way to describe it is it didn't feel like there was as strong a sheath between my consciousness and my shadow. It felt like the shadow took all its own permission to just leak into my life and get dealt with. And it's only as I matured, maybe into my mid-40s, that I began to realise it was me in a liminal space. I woke up and I was ready for a transition. Something was getting ready to change and my shadow was saying, long enough. 
in this place. It's time to get back to the real essence of who you are again. So some things are going to have to break down. Yeah, I've seen more of that. I felt more of that this year for myself. Even I'm thinking about one time when I moved house um, and B wasn't around. He was away somewhere and I moved house myself. I was a wreck. I, I mean, honestly, it was unattractive. Um, <laughs> it was ugly snot, tears. It was just, I'm thinking, we've moved to a place that is much bigger that we want to go to, that is going to give us the ability to look at, look outside. I mean, look outside. Look, at this. I'm talking to myself like a mad woman. And I was broken. And B didn't understand. When he came back, he was like, what, what's, what's happening here? <laughs> um, but I, 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 as soon as you started talking, I was straight back to that time. It felt Is this thinner. the work? Is this the work, though, Kirsty? Like, um, are we going to are we going to have to become familiar with that suffering, or, or or is it the folks who have become familiar with it for whom it's no longer suffering, for whom it's now necessary, who recognise the need of those liminal spaces, that not being sure anymore, being insecure, um, grasping for meaning, is like is that now the work? Which is how do we get ourselves and more people willing? to be in that that liminal space. I'm speaking to a client, you know, there's certain clients that you feel like you should pay them money when you have a one-to-one with them. And and, and, uh, she's she's one of them and um, works for a phenomenal big finance institute. And I just so look forward to her coaching sessions because she's just so clever and so smart. Oh, and it's like, I feel like I, I always run through afterwards and, and say to Mark, oh my goodness, you should have heard of this. It was amazing. Uh, so we protect the confidentiality, but I, the learning I get from her, it's like, what a brain. But she was basically saying, look, I'm, I'm part of this organization and I think we're at... Um, a, a transition moment. We are uh, definitely, we can go one way or another. Um, and she says, this inflection point for me is represented in two ways. Either we push further in to becoming uh, mainstream, to becoming um, mechanized, to being embedded in financial establishment and just growing and making money. She says, or we remain an edgling organization what is <laughs> an edgling organization yeah, we remain edgelings. yeah we always remain just on that kind of moving and pushing the boundary of how we do business and how we work and she went if we become the establishment and we get folded in i can't be here and i was like too right you can't be there you will not you let you to, be there no and she's like i'm i'm holding on for remaining edgling and it's, it's i suddenly i saw a really advanced human being who has started to understand the nature of liminal space for her and how important it is to her soul and her spirit oh i love that edgling i am gonna i've adopted that that is just delicious <laughs> yeah and, and that you know we we've got We've got rituals. You were talking earlier. We've got indigenous cultures. The young men, you know, they were sent into the forest. You know, sent yeah. there three days to hunt, look after yourselves. You know, <laughs> see who you are. Um, you know, you weren't with your friends, your family, your intimates. And when they came back into the tribe, they they joined as men. 
Yeah. But in between, they were in that liminal space. They were in the no longer and the not yet. And yes. and you find yourself in that space. And we try and recreate some of that with the living with change model, you know, where we get yeah. people walking through the infinity. Yeah. And they actually go down to that bit that says, what's the worst that could happen? And that's always a very destructive place, which is they burn the boats you're pushing away from yeah. the old thing what's the worst that could happen i'm now going to start to look at the potential of leaving behind those secure spaces you know really disorientating questions and we see that in all of the transformational exercises you know it's just the, the yeah, sort yeah, of yeah new mindset but it kind of like you were saying about people kind of well, i want to stay with this group i want to stay you know i want to make sure i work with these guys that they are about discovery you know, they're about discovering ourselves, but we we have to hold the space. I, even I was amazed last week working with a group of people who, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't. And just even after five minutes, everyone was really open. Everyone was really honest. And we have to hold that space for people. We have to allow them to voice that. And if they're saying they can't believe it, people might be hearing it in a can't believing way. And so we have to allow them to be comfortable with the uncomfortableness yes. of disclosing and discovering themselves. Which means we have to do the work on ourselves around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. Maya Angelou in action again. Mm-mm, you got to live what you teach. Oh, um, <laughs> neuroscientist Gregory Burns. He says, um, only when you confront your brain's reliance on categories will you be able to imagine outside of its boundaries. And um, I notice that, um, so this weekend, normally at the weekend, Mark and I, Mark, my assistant, lives here, is here until he gets married in June, and we've done lockdown together, and it's been great. We actually got on very well, and we're both quite introvert, and we do a lot of our own thing, but we tend to do meals together, but not at weekends. And so we do some of our own thing, but we had said at the beginning of this weekend, hey, there's meatballs there that need to be used. I said, I'll do them on Saturday, and, and I'll get them sorted for us then. So I got them started, did him a text to say, hi, some dinner maybe in half an hour. And he wrote back and said, actually, I'm going to go to the fish and chip shop tonight. I, I really fancy fish and chips. My initial thing was like, oh, well, I've put meatballs on for both of us. I'm getting this done. I'm, you know, I, I thought that was kind of our agreement. And then I realized there's a bit of me that would then say, well, you know, what a waste of food, you know, or, or, or effort or those things. And then I thought, yeah, it's going to end up being like four meatballs, <laughs> you know. So I think we're all right on the waste. We're going to get through this. Um, and also, what Mark is introducing is is actually not everything has to be an agreement with meals, with everything you're doing. Sometimes there's a spontaneity. Sometimes there's here's just what I fancy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I've kind of changed my mind. And I realized that what was really good for me is how what are the enemies to me holding that liminal space for myself and other people and some of it is quite dark some of it is distrust some of it is punishment for breaking agreements some of it is we need to hold it all together and basically it comes down to fearful control it's like and so therefore those blame things that I would do and it wasn't that big thing with market like it was like I was a 30 second thought went through my mind but those blame things I've realized those are the boundaries those agreements I love agreements I think they're so important but when do I wield them 
as a means of just being controlling mm. and being fearful and distrustful of other people's best intentions or the longevity of a relationship. And, and, and when do I make things too wrong because of that in inappropriate spaces? And, and how does that, as useful and as powerful as those tools are and can be employed, mm-hmm. when do they get in the way of me having liminal space to actually just change, to transition? To what extent have I made them so right that they've become something of almost that kind of, um, we talked about it earlier in, in another module, but that idea of a king lie in my own life that um, you can't challenge the notion of agreements. It's absolutely sacrosanct. Well, maybe though, when it comes to meatballs on a Saturday night, you can. You know, maybe when it comes to holding uncertainty for other people, you can. Maybe you, you don't always go back to that secure space you have to learn how to be with your own shadow and the things that would deeply motivate you to go back to what feel like legitimate models that are actually motivated from fear and from control and from punishment and from things that actually don't work. And so when you create a liminal space, that comes up for you and you have to learn how to handle them. I love that. I want meatballs now, said the vegan. But I think we do that, don't we? We do that in in programs. We think about it in coaching. You know, that's you. You see that there's. You know, I've been in some co- um, sort of sort of circles. Would be like a, a program that I've been on, um, and you can see that the facilitator is really uncomfortable with where this is going because it was not in the trainer notes. And I'm like, bring it. <laughs> this is this is where it's going to happen, people. Let's just sit back and watch this. This is this is where, and I can map my life and life cycles for courses and programs that have given me that experience that were yes. liminal spaces. I could do like I'm even dotting them out in my head just now, where I've attended something. There's been a shift. There has been uh, an opportunity to stay in that liminal space for long enough to allow yes. myself to do that. Um, uh, the That's- dream. I'm coaching someone just now and she is a dream. It's another woman and um, she's um, very experienced kind of background. And she's taught me a little bit about my reliance on my knowledge. So I've always got some knowledge to give a really kind of pithy reframe or a kind of clever other way of seeing things for something. Oh, ding dong, you know, as something goes on. But she's doing the deep work, you know, and and in EST, in Earhart Seminars training, kind of the old, kind of that, that psychology, they loved that um, preliminal space where you were destroying the old positions and, and basically bombarding people with, you know, here's, here's kind of why your life's not working type thing. Sure. And so she's done quite a lot of that for herself. And then we're in this liminal space. And she went through a really difficult time where she was kind of abused in a way, by um, people that she worked with. And um, and then, and she's such a strong character, like really strong and really assertive. And like, I see the strength in her. And we're doing this thing and there was some quiet and, and reflection. And then she said, but was it my fault? Did I cause my own hurt? Oh, I, the love I felt towards her in that moment, because of course she did <laughs> in a deep way. It didn't mean to say that she wasn't working with arseholes. 
you know, yeah. like that, that was still true too. Mm. Like these people behaved appallingly, but actually she's now starting to seek a place of deeper truth. And she's sitting in a liminal space of, I did a lot of blame and I felt a lot of heart and I did a lot of accusation. And now I'm in this space that says, I'm willing to ask the person in front of me. And she was genuinely asking it. She wasn't asking it for me to go, no, 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 no. She was genuinely inquiring, having read books and having studied it and researched it, was it my fault? And I just thought, what a human being. What a human being that would ask on the back of that heart, did I cause that? And she'll get, she'll get treasure. Like she'll inherit a new space. She'll cross a new threshold that is just going to be amazing. And she did that. That, that's the honor in coaching if you can create that liminal space of genuine leaving behind that not quite here and therefore we're in a confused space of questioning somebody's just about to grow in front of you when that happens oh what a privilege <laughs> it is an honor it is an honor to sit in that place with people and I suppose you know we're all we're all here in lockdown there's a new lockdown here in the UK and that new normal, you know, this is a big liminal space. We've been, I don't know if we've been in and out of it. Have we stayed in it? Um, but that new normal hasn't done its reveal yet, has it? It's so has you know, no. I don't know. We're, and so we're kind of we're missing how it was, elements of. Um, but we haven't really fully started inhabiting the new world because actually the we 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 don't know what it is, we don't know the rules, we don't, you know. I, I, there's definitely days when I'm like, bring it. I am ready <laughs> for this. That was great, but let's just crack on with, the new, with a, this new normal situation. Um, you know, I want to be, there's days when I go get me on a flight, you know, I'm thinking about going to Bulgaria for sure now, but, um, and then there's days where I'm like, no, let's just keep the door closed. And so I feel myself having less tolerance for it and feeling like this readiness for it and also you know kind of like I think we've done the work right like you know there's that sort of impatience within me going we've done a lot we've learned a lot um but maybe we haven't yeah um that now and not yet I'm feeling that here I feel like I want to travel I want to move on um and I, and I remember also with that with I remember it relationally with my mom and dad you know like I remember that liminal space of, and it all, it, it, it kind of culminates in when you organize one of their funerals. Mm. But um, that moving of being the guy who really relied on them to being the guy that started to have to kind of boss them around a bit and, and get them to look after themselves and, and take care. Um, and that movement between us, we all felt the liminal shift. We all felt the sadness and the, the pathos of that, as well as the joy and the inevitability of it and those things. And then um, I was listening, it was interesting because it sparked the thought because I was listening to a podcast with Brenny Brown and she was talking to Tarana Burke. Um, and so you had the the kind of the, the, the shame queen, uh, you know, in terms of talking to the Me Too queen. Um, and they're very good friends. And, and so they began by just talking really personally. And, and Tarana Burke says, at the age of 46, I've got engaged. And um, she said that the guy who's proposed to her and who she is marrying has been an on and off individual for about 30 years in their lives. They met each other way back and they've tried and it's not worked and all sorts of things. And, and she eventually just had shut it all down 
but she said she was organising the funeral for her stepdad and she obviously loved her stepdad and um, her mum was unable to do it and she was all over the place and she was in this liminal space and guess who shows up but this fella and he looks up he looks after her for the day and uh and and uh that, so she's they've got a second stepdad and she was organizing his funeral again he shows up and they go and talk in central park and and just basically he confronts her with it in that vulnerable spot which is are you ready to get married and and um all her normal resistance all her older stuff yeah. All of the yeah. stuff that she would kind of the heart and the disappointments and all that, all that rises first for her. And then she takes her time and she thinks about it and she thinks, actually, I do really love this guy. And he shows up at the right time and he is, is the right guy. And she says, yes. Um, and he, he skillfully caught her in her liminal space in that, that moment. Um, and my old kind of thinking on this is that so I was going this walk and I was thinking of funerals, I was thinking of parents, I was thinking all that stuff. And, and it just made me really question for the first time, am I still holding on to an old way of doing work? Am I still, you know, like when I'm coaching that woman I mentioned, I still want to go to the knowledge. And, and I think one of the things that's happening is one of the new things I see happening is creating a knowledge library almost means I can take all of that angst out of me and say it's taken care of elsewhere. Now, am I able to sit with people better? Am I able to be in my own liminal space and create security around it so that increasingly when I'm coaching and when I'm training and I'm developing, I can take people to a liminal space where they genuinely change, they genuinely transform, they genuinely get their own creativity um, and allow them to then decide what is the next threshold for them. And I guess I'm still in that liminal space of how I do it, but I'm becoming increasingly comfortable with it. War talk. Our strategy should be not only to confront empire, but to lay siege to it. To deprive it of oxygen, to shame it, to mock it. With our art, our music, our literature, our stubbornness, our joy, our brilliance, our sheer relentlessness, and our ability to tell our own stories. Stories that are different from the ones we're being brainwashed to believe. The corporate revolution will collapse if we refuse to buy what they are selling. Their ideas, their version of history, their wars, their weapons, their notion of inevitability. Remember this, we be many and they be few. They need us more than we need them. Another world is not only possible, she's on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. Iron Daddy Roy.